Welcome to the Alabaster Jar, a weekly conversation where we take on current issues impacting women at the intersection of faith, theology, and ministry. We are pleased to offer Alabaster Jar as a podcast of Northern Seminary. In today's episode, our host, Dr. Lynn Kohick, is talking with Reverend Dr. Kate Coleman, who is joining us from the UK, where she was the first black woman Baptist minister in the UK, and she has been recognized as one of the 20 most influential black Christian women leaders in the country. Kate is a speaker, lecturer, strategic advisor, and author. She just released a new book titled Seven Deadly Sins of Women in Leadership, Overcoming Self-Defeating Behavior in Work and Ministry. We are thrilled to welcome Kate to the podcast and share this conversation with you today. Welcome, Kate, Reverend Dr. Kate Coleman. I am so excited to be talking with you uh, today. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, it's oh. good to meet you. Thank you. And likewise, our our uh, listeners won't be able to see, but you have on the most beautiful pink today and it's springtime here in Chicago. So there's lots of colors, uh, colors going on here. And, you know, you're, we're going to be talking about women leaders and I love that you're just, you're wearing pink unashamedly. I just love that. It's one of my favorite colors. (laughs) So I'm glad you like it. (laughs) Well, and it, I mean, it, it, it works great. And, and I, I, yes, I do. I absolutely love it. And uh, you are uh, currently living where? Um, I live in uh, Birmingham, which is pretty much in the heart of England in the United Kingdom. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, uh, you talk about in your book, which, by the way, I love that title, Seven Deadly Sins of Women in Leadership. Genius, absolute genius. And you talk about in this book um, your adventure, if I could call it that. Your adventure in leadership was unexpected. Uh, You and your church, you, you just didn't think that women should be in leadership. Can you kind of walk us through how the Lord changed your heart and your mind in that? Yeah, I, I, I'd love to. I, I mean, looking back from this vantage point, um, adventure is a great way to describe the journey. But at the time, it felt like a rude awakening. Um, it was incredibly destabilizing, incredibly um, disorienting time. Um, but it, it came about really while I was earnestly seeking the Lord um, about my life's call and work. I hadn't been a Christian for very long, about three years. I was fresh out of university. I was anxious um, because it it seemed to me that God um, had very neatly closed all the doors on all my great ideas and plans, and I was struggling to understand what God was up to. Um, And I remember returning to London from university, and I kept the question, Lord, what's next? Um, in my prayers. Um, It was a few months before I had a very clear impression, um, really from Mark 9 to, you know, come up by yourself um, to a mountain and I will show you. That's what I felt the Lord was saying. Um, So uh, I immediately asked myself the question, where in the UK are there mountains? And and the following day I was um, on London Underground, which is our, our equivalent of the subway. And uh, I found myself facing a poster with a huge mountain on it. And at the top of it, it said, visit Scotland. Um, So so I said, "Okay, Lord, I'll do that. So I went off on a three week retreat to Scotland, spent two of those weeks uh, in prayer and fasting, asking the Lord, what is it you want me to do with my life? And, um, you know, I I read my Bible. I was led by the spirit. 
it was very, very uncanny. There was so much pointed towards um, leadership, and there had been some uh, remarkable incidents and coincidences along the way as well, which um, pointed to that inescapable conclusion that God was calling me to leadership. But it wasn't as simple as it sounds, because there were two problems. And the first was my church was totally opposed to placing women in leadership. And the second problem was, so was I. Um, so, um, you know, let me put it like this. Um, uh, you know, David's Paulson, David Paulson's book, he's an uh, uh, English theologian. Um, his book is called Leadership is Male, and it was required reading in my church. Um, you know, so it was all I knew. It was what I'd been taught. It was what I'd been immersed in. Women and men were created for different purposes, one to support, another to serve, one to lead. Um, want to lead and want to help um, and um, that was what I had in my heart and soul um, so I had to let go of those ideas and uh, you know the stakes were very high um, important relationships hung in the balance and uh, they depended on what I did next um, so I didn't tell anyone not directly not immediately I told uh, my two younger sisters after I returned from uh, Scotland they were also believers by that time and um, they said, well, we can't see how that's going to happen, but we will pray for you. And uh, I remember going back to church after this and uh, went into our tape library. Now, that's going to age me for most people because some people are going to say, what's a tape? But um, well, I'm tracking with you. All right. so, sadly, we're, we're together on this. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, you know, so uh, I found a set in our tape library, which was on women. In leadership and uh, I mentioned it to my pastor I said you know I'm, I'm just gonna listen to this set of tapes and he wondered out loud and what he wondered was how did they get there and um, <laughs> nothing more was said um, I went away came back a few days later couldn't find the tapes no one knew where they were and it was really at that point that I realized that if, if people were prepared to go to such lengths to hide something, it probably needed investigating. And um, that's really when the resistance, the opposition, call it whatever you like, um, increased. And um, I discovered just how badly Christians can behave. Um, but I also discovered how important it, it was and is to behave like Paul's Bereans, in Acts 17, um, you know, who he describes as, as being of more noble character than the Thessalonians because they searched the scriptures to see if what they were being taught was true. And um, I began to see things I'd never noticed before from Genesis through to Revelation. Yeah, can you give us an example, one or two examples of how as you were searching the scriptures, the lights just went on for you? Yeah, so... Um, well, I guess a good a good example was um, actually noticing for the first time in in, in Genesis that um, God had uh, created um, male and female and had entrusted both with the task of ruling. I'd never seen that before. Um, I'd always read it that uh, um, the the male had been entrusted with the task and and the females were there as kind of PAs, glorified PAs. Um, so you know, so it kind of started from there, and then it it was it was pretty much all the way through. There are the classic high watermark texts um, of Galatians three twenty eight, 
um, uh, you know, and then there were the 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 the, the low watermark texts of the way Jesus interacted with with women and the way he empowered them and released them. Um, you know, then there were the things that everybody was arguing over, like was, is it junior or junius, and how did it become a male name rather than a, a female um, apostle? Um, so it, it was it was things like that. Um, yeah, it was like revelation to me. Well, Kate, as you were describing your journey, it sounds like you've experienced quite a few firsts. And one of those was being the first uh, black woman Baptist minister in the UK. And I'm wondering for the women that are listening today that might find themselves in a position of being first in their church or in their organization, do you have any words of wisdom or encouragement for them as they walk that out? Um, Yeah, I I think my first words of wisdom would be don't run. (laughs) <laughs> you know, when when you discover that you're a first, um, don't run. Um, remember who's called you. Um, and your primary responsibility is to be obedient to God and to find a way to honor the calling um, that's on your life. Um, and there'll be people who will help and there will be, and, and God will put those people in your path. You will find those people. And, but there will also be people who will hinder. And um, it's useful to expect that um, as you go forward. So, so don't run and um, hold on to your sense of calling and find the people that, that, that God um, will put around you to support you. You know, it's uh, implied in that uh in those words of wisdom, Kate, are the are the realities uh, that we all face, but I think especially women face uh, dealing with conflict. Now, in your your book, as you talk about the seven deadly sins of women in leadership, you talk about relationships. You have a chapter on conflict. It really struck me in that, and and we can talk about any of those chapters. But uh, one thing that struck me in your chapter on conflict was how it was so helpful at pointing out gender stereotypes. So you talk about how a woman might be described as controlling or aggressive, and a man is seen as tough and strong. So can you talk just a little bit about how how a woman leader manages conflict well? Yeah. Um, yeah, those, those gender stereotypes are really... Um... Not, not at all helpful, and there are a lot of them, um, and they often amount to, uh, you know, the, the the double standards of um, of, of of leadership. Uh, the things that a woman might do exactly the same thing as a man does, but it will be construed in a very very um, different way. I, I don't know if if you've seen the commercial, but there's a great commercial. Um, that uh, is an advert for a hair product. I won't mention it um, uh, because I don't use it. Um, but in the commercial, it kind of, uh, you know, there's the there's the guy with the flashy black suit and uh, he's called a boss uh, and the woman in the black dress is called bossy. Um, he gives a speech and he's persuasive, uh, but she's pushy when she gives a speech. Um, and the father who stays up late at night um, is described as dedicated. Um, the mother who stays up late at night is described as, as selfish. Um, so, you know, toughness um, in a woman is, is almost always misconstrued as control, 
or a lack of compassion. Um, if you add the dimension of race, it, you end up with an explosive mixture. Um, so, and all of that becomes very tricky when uh, women have to navigate the inevitable conflicts that are part of the leadership terrain. Um, so women leaders need to be fully prepared to navigate potential resistance and opposition with a, a great sense of clarity and tenacity and grace. Um, they also need to recognize that they may attract uh, unusual levels of interpersonal conflict because of that double standard that, it, that exists, um, because they defy convention in some ways. Um, in, in the book, I actually outline a whole process um, that I call uh, caring confrontation, but um, for now I'll mention uh, some of the important themes. Um, firstly, take yourself seriously so that others can do the same. Um, hold on to your values. Don't feel tempted to play along according to the values of others. Um, be responsive rather than reactive, um, and that takes a great deal of emotional stability as well as dedication to self-discipline and self-management. Be biblical. You know? Um, you know, Matthew 18 is a great place to start. Um, you know, if somebody does something, if then go to uh, go to them first. Um, don't seek win-win solutions at any cost. The best solutions are always the ones that are most acceptable to God. That means truth is important, compassion is important, improving attitudes, behavior, and hopefully relationships are essential ingredients. And remember that this isn't just about what you're trying to accomplish. This is also about who you're choosing to become. And and for me, that's a that's incredibly, incredibly important. And um, don't try and control anybody else's behavior but your own, because you can't. Um, but you can uh, control your own. Um, and I think probably the, 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 the most, perhaps even the most important is try to be incarnational um, when you're addressing a problem. Um, address the problem rather than attacking the person. Uh, try and understand why the person or the situation is as it is um, and uh, always take the high road <laughs> when, whenever you're trying to address those situations. So th those are some of the things I'd say are really important when um, dealing with conflict. But certainly recognizing that it will come and it won't always come because you're a poor leader or anything like that. It will come because this is the context that we live in. Uh, yes, and I... I uh... I can relate to what you're uh, what you're saying uh, in in my own life in certain situations. Um, but you know, one of the things that caught my attention is the word incarnation there uh, that you used, and it it just is a moment of blessing for me because I think here we are talking as women, and you're saying we can be an incarnation of Christ. And, and I, I, uh, I, you also talked about, and I, uh, uh, you know, want to emphasize as well, um, or underline that, uh, when you have gender and then also race, race or ethnicity compounding things, that intersection of those, um, it, it can just make things incredibly, incredibly complex. 
It can, and um, I, I, you know, I should say I'm not surprised as as a leader yourself that you will have come across this. Um, I don't know any women in leadership who have not um, encountered the, the the double standard or the the tricky nature of managing conflict. Um, but it's uh, rem you know that that remembering that we can reflect Christ in that way. We can um, be his hands and feet, we can be his voice in that situation. Um, and that's part of the calling. Um, at the end of your, uh, the, the afterword in, in your uh, terrific book, you, you give this wonderful story. Um, it's an African tale that you tell. Would you like to share that with, the, uh, with our listeners? That 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 would be the story of the um, of the eaglet um, who uh, mistook itself for a, a, a chicken. So yes, there's there's a story that's told as as you say, it's an African tale, as a, a parable um, of a farmer who finds a, an eaglet um, almost dead, lying in a field, and the farmer takes that eaglet back to his farm and he nurtures it um, and uh, you know he, he puts the eaglet amongst the chickens um, and the eaglet grows stronger day by day um, but then starts doing things that the chickens are doing and um, you know begins to peck at the ground and the farmer's friend turns up and she says what, what's, what's going on um, with that eaglet and um, the farmer tells the story and the friend says no but this is this is wrong um, that eaglet was made for the open skies. We, we need to um, help that eaglet to remember um, who, what it is. And uh, so, you know, she takes the, the eaglet and she puts it on top of the fence and it falls off um, and just carries on behaving like a chicken. And then she takes it, she puts it on the roof of, the, of a barn and it falls off and carries on behaving like a chicken. And then she, you know, they, they both take the eaglet um, to uh, the edge of a, a cliff very early in the morning as the sun is rising and um, of course you know this is where we all hope the story is going to end well and <laughs> she points the eaglet in the direction of the of the rising sun and throws the, the eaglet over the side and the eaglet spreads its wings and begins to soar and um, you know there, there are many things you could take from that story but most of us don't realize what we were created for and uh, particularly when it comes to women and women's leadership um, God has called many of us and we don't know it yet and sometimes we just need somebody to come along hopefully not to throw us over a cliff but <laughs> somebody's come along um, who reminds us and often that's the Holy Spirit and often it's the people that he prompts um, to press us and to encourage us to step into what we've been called to so uh, yes great story it, it is wonderful this line many of us are called to live to lead lot uh, let's see many of us who are called to lead live our lives as if we were barnyard chickens scratching around in the dirt, entirely unaware of the great potential within us. That just, uh, it just is such a powerful, a powerful story that lines up with the, your own experience that you had. And, 
And yeah, there is something kind of scary about the story, as you say, when the when the uh, eaglet is is released over the over the cliff. But uh, isn't that our God, right? Who says, "Take a step into the water. I'm going to part them." But there's something that that we do with Jesus uh, in us, encouraging us. And I think too often women are raised to be much more passive or hesitant, uh, not risk takers. Um, and, and I just don't see that it, uh, as a, as an example, as a discipleship in, in scripture. Um, Absolutely. yeah, you mentioned, uh, Junia earlier. Um, do you have, who is mentioned in, in, uh, Romans chapter 16, uh, as, uh, one of the leaders uh, in the churches that Paul knew. Um, are there some other biblical stories that inspire you that, that uh, where these women soar, you know, as we would like to? Yeah. Um, so I, I, many, many, but I'll try to contain myself. Um, <laughs> um, I love the story of Esther. Um, I love the story of Esther because she comes from, somewhere that she's not expecting to end up in a palace but even when she does end up in a palace so she's she's this orphaned child twice orphaned um she um is encouraged down a path we don't know whether she was happy with taking that path but we know what she did with where she landed um and uh you know when when uh mordecai her, her cousin spoke to her um and you know, challenged her with with uh, uh, you know doing something for her people because there was the potential of uh, genocide. Um, her first response was, "I don't think so." <laughs> you know, that was her first response. So I, I love that because that yes. that that's us. You know, no, absolutely. We, you know, that's <laughs> us. And uh, yes. then then we all need a kind of a Mordecai who comes along and says, "Ah, you know, well." Uh, maybe you've been called for such a time as this. And of course, that's a fantastic text. It's a fantastic line. And recognizing that there are moments, there are right moments for us. Um, so I love that story. I also love the story of um, in the New Testament um, of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Um, because again, she comes from nowhere, yet she's the one Jesus has an appointment with. And of all the people, she's the one he has an appointment with and um his appointment with her um changes her enables her to see things she didn't see before um he allows her to engage with him in ways that weren't really permitted um and it changes her in such a way that she then transforms her town but then we know from posterity, we know from history that she goes on to be uh, become known as Fotina, you know, this woman of light, and um, um, she transforms a great part of the ancient world, of the ancient Near Eastern world, um, you know, through her ministry and through her mission, and uh, and for me that's just remarkable. Um, Jesus takes whoever, um, <laughs> he's no respecter of persons. He can exactly. use and work through. And um, 
And you the know, other, if I could uh, just add to what you're saying too, I love the story of the Samaritan woman as well. And I, I've, uh, I think perhaps one of the reasons I love her is I also love to talk about theology. I love to, to learn about religion and scripture and think about those things. And so did she. She had uh, a conversation about religion with Jesus. And so often commentators look at that and they say, oh, he, she's trying to change the subject or she's trying to get Jesus off track. And I think, well, I'm not sure the Lord just gets off track. You know, <laughs> I think I think he's pretty focused. And isn't it OK for a woman to just want to talk about deep theological things. And you look at what he shares with her, which is incredible that those will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, especially in that day and age where temples, including the Jerusalem temple, were very central to uh, to people's piety. And uh, yeah, and then she becomes this missionary who um, her, her town is, is changed by her ministry. And as you say, it, it, her ministry even expands beyond that short story we have in scripture. Yeah. It's, it's, um, and, and we don't hear those things very much because getting back to your earlier comment about stereotypes, yeah. you know, um, it just doesn't fit our modern stereotype. Yeah. And I think coming back to your comment on how the, you know, something like that, something that is that extraordinary that happens in that story. She has this theological conversation with Jesus, but commentators traditionally are trying to explain that away. They, they're saying that couldn't possibly have been what was happening. It must be something else that's going on here, um, except what is plain to see because she was a woman. Um, so, so yeah. So true. Um, I would love to uh, hear your thoughts on what brings you joy and hope and encouragement when you think uh, about women leaders today, and especially if you have a word uh, for women of color in leadership as well. Um, I just love to, to hear that. Um, uh, to be honest, this this is uh, I'm I'm easy to please when it comes to things like this. Um, it takes very little <laughs> to encourage me. Um, you know, I'm encouraged whenever women leaders are um, recognized, um, celebrated, um, encouraged, when women aspire to make an even greater difference through their leadership. I'm, I'm encouraged um, by every man who supports champions and makes way for women around him and who's prepared to do that in the light not behind the scenes. I think you know what I mean by that. Um, I'm, I'm encouraged um, by when, when white women do the same for black women. Um, I'm encouraged when older women make room for younger women. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Madeleine Albright's um, statement that she made that there's a special place in health for women who don't help other women. Um, you know, so, so I'm encouraged whenever women help other women. Um, uh, you know, I'm encouraged when I see the image of God more fully expressed um, in fields that have traditionally been dominated uh, by men, like you know, science, technology, or those, those arenas. Um, I'm encouraged when I meet women and they are enjoying leading and they're thriving in their leadership and they're bringing incredible blessing to whatever arena they influence. Um, you asked me to say something particularly for women of color, um, for black women, 
um, is there are differences in the journey between white women and, and, and black women. And uh, I've, I've seen both, and obviously I'm a black woman myself, so I, I, I have had my particular journey um, as well. Um, my encouragement um, is the same as it was for me in recognizing that I could make a difference. I could make a difference. And it's not to say I'm going to make all the difference, but I can make a difference in this season with these particular challenges that we face around race and culture, ethnicity. Um, I can make a difference. And if you're prepared to kind of step into that, and uh, you won't always be encouraged to do that, but you'll still need to step into it and find a way, um, and God will make a way for you to do that. Um, then there's no telling what's possible for all of us. So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe that's yeah. that's where I leave that. Oh well, that's great. And as you're talking, I'm thinking of that eaglet, right, who catches the thermal draft and soars. Um, your book, Seven Deadly Sins of Women in Leadership, Overcoming Self-Defeating Behavior, uh, for it, it was such an encouragement to me to read it, and I learned so much. It's it's a great resource for the church, and I appreciate uh, appreciate you creating that for us. And I would encourage all of our listeners to uh, to get a copy. And I'm I'm also thinking, you know, I need to look around and see where can I be a Mordecai to encourage others. Yeah. Uh, and who who do I need to listen to that's a Mordecai in my life? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just this has been such a fun and a very rich conversation. Reverend Dr. Kate Coleman, thank you so much for joining us on the Alabaster Jar. Thank you. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Alabaster Jar podcast. In just a moment, our host, Dr. Lynn Kohick, is going to share with us a letter from one of our listeners that has encouraged all of us here on the podcast this week, and we'd like to share it with you as well. Lynn, would you please share that uh, letter with us? Oh, I'd be delighted to. Yes, I'll just um, summarize uh, what uh, a listener who is Australian but uh, works uh, in, the, in Central Asia um, as an intercultural worker. Um, she was listening to our podcast. She says, as I was weeding my garden and I thought, well, there you go. That's, uh, that's better than I am. The I earth. Probably, I know <laughs> I probably need to get out and do my garden work too, but, um, how much she enjoyed listening, uh, to our, uh, to our conversations and her own experience is similar in that while she serves as, uh, in a leadership role, uh, that that was a bit of a contested uh, move, and there were uh, some men who felt that they, in fact, should have been uh, in that role rather than than her. But uh, she just, uh, you know, she recognizes 
uh, as we talk about on the alabaster jar, that women called to ministry is a wonderful, blessed, high calling uh, that sometimes uh, faces opposition. And so we listening to the podcast encouraged her. And I then was greatly encouraged uh, that she wrote to us. So uh, we, we need to uh, stay together, stand together and encourage each other. Absolutely. You know, as we were just listening to Reverend Dr. Kate Coleman talk about that today of what it looks like to build one another up as women. And so if you are listening to this podcast today, and you would like to share with us any feedback, or maybe how one of our guests has encouraged you, I'm going to drop my email address in the description of this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please send us a note and we look forward to reading it. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to having you back again next week for another episode of the Alabaster Jar podcast.